Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. This week we hear from the Reverend Maggie Foote as she preaches from the lectionary, which was Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 31. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls at allsoulsparish.org. Hope to see you around sometime. ordained as a priest, most dioceses require that you take a test known as the General Ordination Exam, or the GOE. Think of it like the bar exam, except for being a priest. Every year there are new questions in a variety of subjects, holy scriptures, worship, ethics, theology, church history, and the practice of ministry. The year I took the exam, 2016, the theology question was all about wealth. Specifically, they asked us to define at least two theologies of wealth wealth, and, of course, to cite our sources. The first thing that came to my mind was, hold up. I can only really think of one thing that Jesus ever said about money, and that is that we should give it away. In fact, this very passage that we heard this morning from the Gospel of Mark immediately came to the forefront of my mind and pretty much clouded out everything else. Because Jesus is pretty clear here. It would be easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, Jesus definitely says more stuff about money than just this. What about the whole render unto Caesar what is Caesar's thing? That's about money. Or the story of Lazarus and the rich man. That's also about money. Well, yeah, they sure are. But please remember that I was under duress here. I was taking the biggest exam of my young life, two days after my wedding, sick as a dog, and working during a power outage. So this passage was the one and only thing that came to my mind. But aside from all that, this passage comes to mind not because it's the only time Jesus ever talks about money, but because this passage pretty much sums it all up. Despite the little joke about the camel, Jesus could not, be po- could not possibly be more clear about what it takes to follow him. To agree to follow Christ inherently is a promise to stand in solidarity with the least of these. And what does it take to do that? Is it enough to simply follow the commandments, don't steal, don't commit murder, don't commit adultery, etc.? Well, sure, these commandments are important. But there's more to following the law than just this. Jesus is drawing our attention to the distinction between the law as it's written and the law as it's used in practice. It's a teaching about the practical application of the law and not just the law itself. But also, Jesus casually throws out another commandment in his list that's not in the original version. And that's, you shall not defraud. Well, what's that about? The basic sentiment here is that to defraud is to hold back wages owed to a hired worker or maybe to refuse to return goods or money that have been left as a deposit. So maybe this isn't just about this one man and his wealth, but about the ways in which the wealthy class defrauds the poor and working class. This is an indictment of the ways in which the man is not willing to part with the trappings of the wealthy class to stand in solidarity with the poor. Jesus is very clear here, though. And the next question for us is how seriously are we willing to take him? If we take Jesus at his word, in this case, as in most cases, 
then following the way of Christ is incredibly difficult. I'm reminded of the song The Scientist by my least favorite band of all time, Coldplay. There's a line that goes, nobody said it was easy. No one ever said it would be this hard. Because taking Jesus at his word here leaves us with two choices. One, we choose not to follow. That's the option taken by the wealthy man in our story this morning. He turns around and goes his own way. Or two, we choose to follow, like the disciples do, but knowing that we won't get it right all the time. And Lord knows there are more than a few stories in the Bible about the disciples stuffing it up. I mean, Jesus says it even right here in this passage. For mortals, it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. So we just do our best, and God takes care of the rest, right? Well, right, well, sort of. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Because over the centuries, the ruling or wealthy class has tried to make it seem like Jesus doesn't really mean what he's saying here. Like his little one-liner about the camel somehow negates his previous point about the wealthy, rather than reinforcing it. And thus, they claim to be following Jesus to the best of their ability without having to sacrifice any of their own wealth or status. I get this. I really get it. There are a lot of things that Jesus says and does and asks us to do that cut against my very way of being. And one of them is what he's asking the rich man to do in this passage. Get up. Heal yourself of the sickness of accumulation. Sell what you have. Give it to the poor. And then come and follow me. But how can we heal ourselves of the sickness of accumulation when we live in a society that wants us to believe that the only way to survive is to stockpile money and goods so that other people can't get them? How can we open our wallets and purses and just let go of everything we've worked so hard for when the very world in which we live is not designed to take care of people who have nothing? Our society is not designed to protect people who don't have their own resources, and that's the truth. I think Jesus knows that what he's asking is incredibly difficult. It was in direct conflict with the political economy 2,000 years ago when he was preaching and teaching, and it still is today. But he still asks. Jesus is in the habit of calling us to things of, of which we are not fully capable. Because in doing so, he calls us to a better version of ourselves. And in turn, we have the opportunity to move the needle of the world just a bit closer to the reign of God. Maybe we're not fully capable of unburdening ourselves of all of our worldly possessions and distributing the money against the poor, uh, among the poor. That's okay, though. I know that I couldn't do it. If we could simply do all of the things that Jesus asks us to, and simply believe all of the things that we're asked to believe, then maybe we wouldn't need each other so much. Maybe we wouldn't need to come here every week and listen to Jesus calling us to a more abundant life. Because surely what we are able to do is imagine what the world might be like if everyone had enough. 
if no one woke up hungry this morning and no one went to bed to hungry tonight, if everyone had a safe place to lay down their head. And surely we are able to ask ourselves what it might look like in our own lives to push that needle ever so slightly forward for the benefit of everyone. Surely I'm able to ask myself what I'm willing to give up to move that needle. Surely I'm able to examine why that, what holds me back from doing it. What stops me? Surely I'm able to ask myself why I feel like it might not even be worth trying. Because it matters that we try. It matters that even if we can't let go of everything lock, stock, and barrel, that we still ask ourselves, well, what can I do? What do I have to give? The truth is that all of us can respond to Jesus' call in some way, and in some ways that might surprise us. And when we do, we live more fully into that abundant life that Jesus calls us to. And not only that, but we make space for others in our community to do the same. <laughs>